Hello everyone, it's Trevor here from We Need to Talk About Movies podcast and today with a special edition. It's just going to be a little short extra podcast because I am going out to the cinema. Cinemas are back open. I went the other week and watched Peter Rabbit with the kids but tonight it's I'm going out on my own and for a movie double bill which is something I haven't done since I think the last double bill I watched was Police Academy 5 and Batteries Not Included. So that must have been back in 88, something like that. So, yeah, really excited about this. The films I'm going to watch are A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2. So directed and starring John Krasinski, who I have seen in The American Office um, and Away We Go. But um, I've not really seen him in anything else. I see that he plays the new Jack Ryan. I've never rushed out to watch him, but he looks too cuddly to play uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan to me. He's got like a a doughboy face, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? But uh, I won't hold that against him. Anyway, yeah, so this film he's written, he was, well, one of three writers. So he's uh, he's directed this film, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So A Quiet Place was a 2018 horror film drawing inspiration from Alien. No Country for Old Men and In the Bedroom, apparently. Krasinski and Blunt play the parents of a family living in a post-apocalyptic world where they sort of coexist with monsters who have really acute sense of hearing. The tagline is, if they hear you, they hunt you. So a really interesting plot. Sounds like a really good concept. It's written by Brian Woods. Scott Beck and John Krasinski. Don't recognise them for anything else, if I'm honest. I know it scores highly on IMDb. I think it's like 7.5, which isn't isn't a bad score. Above average. And I think it done really well in the cinema the first time around. Uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, actually husband and wife in real life. So the only thing is that obviously because I'm going to see the sequel... With all the same casting, I know that the that they're all going to survive the first one. But whether that will change sort of how I watch the film, I don't know. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know the first one really was quite successful and quite interesting, and I have wanted to watch it. And I saw it was on Netflix back along, and I I almost watched it one night, but then something else was on there that I wanted to watch first, and I never got round to watching it. So. That's probably a good thing, because tonight, now, I'm going to go to the cinema, watch two films, one after the other. I thought this would be great to support the local cinemas, and to support the film industry, give it a kickstart, and also enjoy in the cinema, which I have missed a great deal over the last year or so. I think the, f- the last film I watched before the COVID lockdown was Parasite, which I thought was really good. Which, and we will have to discuss at some point, I think. I need Nath needs to see that. But yeah, so a bit of horror in the cinema. Last horror film I watched in the cinema was It Part 2, which didn't really scare me, to be honest. Um, I didn't think it was very effective. It was a bit corny. Uh, went on a little bit too long. But yeah, I'm going to see if I can fill you in in between the two films. Hopefully I'll get a little bit of time in the foyer just to sort of discuss just discuss the first film and the whole cinema experience and then after that when i get back i'll probably discuss the second 
with you then. So stay tuned and I will be watching and letting you know what I think of A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2. Brand new film up for reviewing. Looking forward to it. I don't know if you've seen it or not. There will be spoilers in this review, but I will minimise the spoilers for the second one because I understand that a lot of you wouldn't have actually seen that yet. So I'm sort of talking on the basis that you've probably seen the first one, but I am trying to keep the spoilers at a minimum. Well, I've just watched part one, the first film. This is the... uh, it's just the end credits now. I must say that was absolutely stunning. Definitely worth waiting for in the cinema. Definitely glad I haven't seen it on DVD. It wouldn't have been the same. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Really tense, really well amplified. Everything was amplified in the cinema. But the use of sound was just fantastic. Yeah, really great film. I'll go into it a bit more detail later. Well, that's the end of the second one now. <clears throat> so, yeah, really enjoyed them both. Second one, possibly not quite. It didn't have the, you know, you knew what to expect. So it wasn't quite as sort of fresh and original, but done a good job and wasn't as tense but still good tension not not a patch on the first but I'll uh, I've took notes in the dark so I'll try and make sense of them and let you know what I thought when I get out okay so I'm home I can now compose myself and talk about my experience in the cinema and what I thought of A Quiet Place 1 and 2. Now, you know, when you come out of a cinema, you forget nearly everything, don't you? So excuse me if this is a lot of umming and ahhing. When I watch films for the films that I own but haven't seen yet, I'm watching them at home and I've got a notepad on me and I'm making quite extensive notes. It was quite difficult to do that in a cinema. I couldn't see my pad and paper. So it's I'm just going to look at the notes, try and make most of it. So, yeah, bear with me. <laughs> so, first of all, let me just say it was, it was great to be back into a cinema. It has been so long since I've been in there, you know. Well, I was in there last week watching Peter Rabbit, but it doesn't really count. So, although it wasn't the the largest screen the cinema has to offer, it was comfy. The cinema has like a, a suite where you go in and it's comfy leather chairs. And I had a table next to me to put your food and drink on, or my notepad in this case. You can buy beers there if you want, but I didn't. And I just had tea before I went, so I smuggled some sweets in. And I thought, I'll just buy this, a snack and a drink in between the two films so i watched the first one and then i'll get a snack and a drink but it was only a 10 pound ticket to go in for the two with a discount card so we was all sat in there waiting for it all to start and then the digital media cinema dmb music blasts on and um you know you're listening to this the, the music they're piping in and then all of a sudden it blares 
that's what the cinema's about. That's what you forget, how loud and effective it is. And for this film here, it's being based on a subject that's silent and going from silence to noise, loud noises. The This was the perfect film to watch in a cinema. So it starts off, is it day 89 when the film opens and it's a deserted street, the traffic lights broken on the floor and you see John Krasinski's family and Emily Blunt, they're in this store creeping around and the little boy's there sort of jumping around playing like a, like a child does. The sister you establish is deaf, the, the middle child uh, is another boy. He's hurt himself or something if they've given him. I can't quite remember what it is, but they're treading carefully. They're quiet. You're wondering what's going to happen. They seem to have got out away with it. And then as you leave the store, you know, and they're, they're walking on the railway track on the way home. And then shit hits the fan. The little boy has got the toy rocket that his sister gave to him once his dad had put it away and as they're walking along the bridge the toy goes off the sister can't hear it because she's deaf and the family sort of turn around and you just see her face as she realizes what's going on and then the dad's running for the boy for the child um and then you know in swipes the monster but the soundscape was really effective. I love the way that, you know, they're all quiet. Having the deaf daughter made a really is a really effective bit of filmmaking there because it allows them all to know sign language. So they're all signing on behalf of the sister. But also for us, there's a lot of signing so we can see what they're saying. But also it's effective when it goes into her point of view. And you just hear nothing. And that works throughout the film so effectively to just sort of crank up the tension. And that is something that The Quiet Place, the first one, has in abundance. It is one of the most tense films I've ever watched at a cinema. I was on the edge of my seat. There's so many times I'm sort of like, oh my God, I'm clawing at the seat. I'm, oh, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> but... It's just a great sense of this family struggle. You really sense their unity and their frustration. And it's lovely to see them surviving. And everything is stuffed toys and they play Monopoly and rolling the dice on soft carpets to not make any sound. And they've got like foam pieces to move around. It's really, really well thought out. Everything in there is really well thought out. I mean, what a great concept to have a monster that can hear and hone in on noises. It's just really great. And it gives the whole film this tension from the, the outset and a real great atmosphere, you know, but there's moments in there where it sort of cranks up emotion. There is a musical score over the top and sort of the, you know, that sort of sound that seems to be in everything is the only thing that was a bit, I wish I used another sound effect, but it works well in here, to be honest. The performances in the film were brilliant. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, really good as the parents. You felt like that they was all part of a team, you know, you felt they was a family. And to be able to convey so much unsaid thought and emotion, 
but without having to say words was it was masterful and the children Millicent Simmons as the daughter Reagan and Noah Dupe as Marcus were just yeah really great performances from the pair of them you know the son Noah Dupe was really sort of nervous and hadn't quite come to terms with it Millicent Simmons was a bit more independent and she sort of had a little bit of a conflict with with her dad but then she held a lot of guilt over what had happened to her younger brother. You really did feel their family struggles as well as being in this this horrific situation, trying to do the best, but, oh my God, living on tenterhooks that not to make a noise must be absolutely frightening. But they conveyed every emotion just perfectly. So Millicent Simmons, who plays the daughter, is actually a deaf actress, so... Yeah, really great that they can give her the opportunity to act in such a prominent role. And, you know, it makes sense for someone who's deaf to play someone deaf. And um, it really was a fantastic performance. So a really great little actress. Be interested to see how much further her career can go. It's a strange film because they're isolated and... Even when they're looking through the newspaper headlines, there's a paper headline that says New York in lockdown. And it's just so weird that this film came out before 2020 and what we've all been through. So many things you sort of now look back at those times, you know, looking at these films from a different angle and a different perspective. So that was really working really well. But anyway, as they, we've leapt into the future when we're in the house after the after the boy is killed and we and we realise that Emily Blunt is pregnant. And now this poses loads of questions. I was like, oh my God, how can you raise a baby in this environment? And they've got sort of, I can only assume it's like oxygen to nullify the baby but she's got to give birth to it and that the whole muted stifled life builds up to a crescendo when she is about to give birth the family's split up her waters break she treads on that nail i mean oh my god the nail sticking out of that board it's just one of the worst things i've i leapt in the cinema i was like oh I was all over the place. I was tense as hell watching this. It was fantastic. A really fantastic experience. But being so quiet, I did sort of have a nightmare trying to get my sweets open. <laughs> I had a packet of um, randoms, Vantry's randoms. And would they open? Oh, my God. I was just... And you try and do it quietly and you're prolonging it, you know, and it's just crinkling. And that's the thing, isn't it, about the cinema? You forget if you're at home, you just, you're not interrupting the film for anyone else. But yeah, trying to get into those suites, it was dragging it out. I was on the edge of my seat doing that. So yeah, everything is heightened in the cinema because of the, the lack of noise. And then the, they separate and they're all trying to get back together towards the end. And the monsters are aware that they're there. Emily Blunt has gone into labour trying to give birth quietly. You're, you're tense then. The monster is hunting her down. The daughter's gone off sulking. You really feel that rift between that family. But as they're all trying to get back together, and it's just, yeah, so much tension, just heightened tension. It's just 
Oh, fantastic. I can't describe how I was so physically moved by this film. Physically, like, tied up in knots watching it. Really, really rare for me for a horror film. Um, And I think it was really well done. Really subtle. It wasn't gore. And, I mean, yeah, you had the, the aliens were effective, but they wasn't completely original. The heads opened up, sort of like Venom out of Spider-Man 3. It made sort of predator sounds, but it didn't matter if it wasn't completely original because it done its job. Really, yeah, really great film. And I'm so glad that I didn't watch it a couple months back ago. I went for a horror film binge when I was at home, and that was one of the ones I was going to watch, and I never got around to watching it. So glad I saved it for the cinema. What a great place to watch it first. So anyway, that was film one over and done. And then then they played the trailers. They didn't have any trailers before the film. So I went out, got my crisps, my potato snacks and drink, came back in and watched the trailers. And it's funny, there was like two or three action trailers. They played Fast and Furious 76 or something. Uh, Black Widow, the new Marvel. And a film called The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard or something, something like that. An action comedy with Ryan Reynolds. And, but the action trailers all seem to use the same sound effects. And there was another advert for a film called Supernova, I think, with Stanley Tukey, Tucci Tukey, and Colin Firth. And it looked like a big, bit of a gritty sort of drama. Looked another one about dementia. It's about two uh, gay partners going on a, their last holiday and Stanley Tukey is losing his memory and it seems to be a wave of dementia films at the moment. But I'm not knocking them, you know. It's just, It looked like a good story. But it did not make me ask, like, Colin Firth and Stanley Tukey, are they two straight actors playing homosexuals? And I wonder if, is there no gay actors? You know, they're going to get Oscars or Oscar nominations for this. But I think there must be, surely there must be plenty of gay actors out there who could probably do this just as effectively. That's just my fault, anyway. So then, yeah, the lights go down, and up comes film two. Quiet Place, part two, rated 15. Sustained threat is the warning. And then it goes does a clever thing, and it goes back to the start. So you see John Krasinski, John Krasinski in there, and this is how I thought I was adamant when I saw it, that oh, they're all going to be all right, because... They're all in the sequel. Little did I know. So we go back to the beginning. We've established now that John Kraskinski is with the family. They're at a baseball game. Take it with a pinch of salt that the middle son, you know, he looks a good couple of years older here. But, you know, you're not going to hold that against the filmmakers because it's a great film to sort of have a follow up. And and I wondered if it's going to be a complete prequel story, but it wasn't. It's just sort of gives you a sense of this this community and you see the store and the street from the first one but people are in it the traffic lights are up and working the pharmacy that they raid is up and running and he's walking around it getting his oranges to take to the baseball game his son's baseball game then he goes there and meets the family then we meet Cillian uh, Killian Murphy who's one of their one of their friends, another dad at the baseball game. And this is really, it sets up the the premise 
for Killian Murphy more than it does the uh, sort of the exposition of where these alien monster things come from. So obviously you see them coming down from space, uh, a big sort of cloud like a meteor coming down, and then they all start attacking everyone. But the first film done a great job without having any exposition in it this one has a little bit more exposition here and there it's a bit of a broader story but then it, it you, you see day one and then it cuts to continue exactly where the previous one left off so by this point you know that they've worked out what can kill the aliens or at least interfere with the aliens like really high perceptive eardrums you know they're on their own they haven't got the father anymore and the daughter is sort of taking the lead because in in the first one she had fallen out with the dad and they drifted apart they made their peace in the very end but now she realized what her dad done for her and how strong-willed her dad was and she picks up his mantle so she becomes the sort of the hero of the films as a family then they leave the farm and they're heading out to where they've seen smoke and they, it leads them to this this yard and Killian Murphy's watching them. And you think at this point, this must be like a nightmare for you if you're surviving and you're just managing to get by and then you see a family turn up, children and a baby, and all of a sudden you've got more heads to look out for. So you can understand completely his reluctance to want to take them on, but it does introduce another another character and another angle now the daughter's got to convince him that she's because she's got a plan to sort of defeat these creatures and she needs his help. They instantly, she sets off a tripwire or something, rattles some bottles, they make the noise, they have to run and then the sun treads on a trap and oh my god, it's it's agonising. It's nothing like that nail scene from the first one, even though it's a more brutal shot and his scream is blood-curdling but that nail... And she treads on that nail at the in the first film was one of the most cringy things I've ever watched. You know, there's a few more jump scares I felt in this version, in this movie. But it and the tension wasn't as good. And as the story sort of continues and everyone splits up in their own things, you can feel it all. And I thought, oh, this is gonna get this is where it's gonna get good because at the end of the first one, as soon as they split up, the tension cranks up and once it's set in motion it doesn't let up until the very last frame of the film the very last frame whereas this one it's it sort of ebbs and flows there's tense scenes and then there's it drops and then it's tense and then it drops he hasn't got the uh, co-writers with him in this one john krasinski just wrote this one himself it's it's a broader story there's more going on there's more characters there's more talking the more exposition, as I said, but having all that extra stuff doesn't leave as much room to just focus on that tension that the first film did. So a lot more sort of generic horror scares throughout this. But saying that, it was not a bad film. It was it was a really effective horror. They were both really effective horrors. But also this one, you know, at the end they crank up the strings for emotion in this in the musical score whereas in the first film it was a real emotional ending you and it's something you rarely get in a horror film proper real emotion you felt 
the turmoil and the fear and the joy and the relief and everything all as a family would in those moments and they didn't quite capture the same in the second film they tried to replicate that but not, not a patch on the first film that first film is a masterclass in in horror filmmaking but it kept it real kept it level-headed the second one not so much but although i didn't find the follow-up as effective it was still gripping and it's still you know neither film felt very long when i was watching them well anyway that was a bit of a ramble wasn't it i hope that's not been too confusing and all over the place for you and if you enjoyed this then please let us know you can email us at wnmovietalk at gmail.com or find us over on facebook.com forward slash we need to talk about movies podcast it'd be great to hear from you and yeah if you've enjoyed this sort of thing then maybe i'll do some more straight out the cinema reviews as time goes on so thanks ever so much for listening everyone and i'll see you all soon cheese